Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management. Brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello and welcome to Get Your Fix by Vixo. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and joining me is Ryan Baumgartner. He is the solutions architect at Vixo. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, today we're talking about general challenges that facilities managers face in relation to HVAC and some of the best practices that Vixo and Ryan have found uh, to address some of these issues. So, Ryan, let's dive in. Can you detail the evolution for how clients can move to a preventative maintenance program, even when they haven't been tracking historical data? Sure. Uh, So I think one of the first things to point out, obviously, when we start to engage with clients is um, an evaluation of where they're at today. So uh, do you, what system of record do you have? Uh, do you have individual assets? Um, how do you categorize your spend? So all of these things play major factors in the way that um, you can evolve over time into the most optimal um, state for your HVAC program. So a couple of things come to mind right off the bat um, when you evolve over is, is what's your visibility today? So when we talk in terms of visibility, you think about spend for HVAC. So um, a lot of times what we'll see is uh, companies or organizations that we're working with in these large portfolios, they'll only be able to identify the spend at um, a store level. So the tough part about that is you may have anywhere from five rooftop HVAC units to, to 10 to 12. So what we like to do is understand what's your system of record. Can you actually uh, address and gain assets at an individual level? Once you can do that, then you can tie a lot more data and information to this to give you insights down the road to get to the optimal uh, piece. So visibility is really one of the first things we want to look at for the assets. Um, Secondarily, like I just was talking about spend, how do you tie the spend to them? So one of the things that we like to evolve our clients to at Vixo is tying the spend to an individual asset versus a store. By doing that, as an example, uh, you could potentially find, and we see this sometimes, that 80% of your spend for your HVAC category at a given store could be driven by one rooftop unit. Obviously, over time, um, when you can identify these anomalies and you can see these trends, these are some of the, the insights that facilities managers need in order to make, take corrective measures uh, to then reduce their spend over time. Um, we like to talk about total cost of ownership, so not just looking at what an individual repair cost, but looking at over a three, four, five-year span and what's the, the most effective way to spend your money, drive up time, and, and have the op- optimal HVAC program. So the more granular you can get um, in terms of the visibility, how you're tying your spend to your assets, uh, um, the better off that, that you can, can get over time in terms of spend. Um, once you identify some of those measures and the ways that uh, you can start to record your assets and, and tie spend to them, then it's really a mix of um, what the client's goals are. So you only have so much money to spend, but you also want to have optimal performance for your units and have the best lifetime um, you know, value in that unit. So ha- how are you documenting uh, and building out your HVAC program? So generally, people will do a quarterly 
Um, and sometimes it's just a filter swap out. Sometimes they, they get very granular into tasks, cleaning coils, things like this. Um, how are you consistently doing that over a portfolio of anywhere from 2,000 locations to 12,000 locations? So um, putting in best practices and standards across an organization is extremely key uh, in order to have the most effective total cost of ownership for your program. So um, compliance plays a large part of that. So you can send out any type of a preventative maintenance scope to service providers. And the expectation is that they're going to go out and do this. Uh, and then over time, uh, your reactive spend is going to go down and things like this. So um, one of the things that we notice when we get a lot of data from clients and we start the evaluation process, we've seen as low as uh, 40, 45, 48% compliance. So compliance is really... Um, compliance is just going out and actually doing the preventative maintenance. So uh, over time, you continue to spend money quarterly for this preventative maintenance program, but uh, we've seen some somewhere in the ballpark of like 50% of the time the service isn't actually being done. Over time, obviously, that becomes catastrophic to the equipment. Uh, and then if you're measuring the volume of reactive work, you'll actually see an increase in reactive work. So now you're paying on the front end to prevent it and you're paying an extreme amount on the back end uh, to actually be reactive and fix everything because of the compliance being low. Um, and then once you, once you make sure that compliance is there, hey, people are checking into the locations, they're actually doing the preventative maintenance programs, um, then it's about execution. So we have a lot of measures that we put in place to make sure that all the tasks, all the money you're spending on that one visit is being done. So are they cleaning the coils? Are they changing the filters? Are they taking pictures of all of these things, documenting it? Um, and then storing that stuff in a system of record. So um, not only are you being compliant with the visit, but you're being compliant with the scope of work that you intend to um, give you the best optimized program over time. So all of these things take resources, all of these things take technology and tools. So it's really, it's really important to evaluate where you're at and build those baselines, the systems that you're using, do they have the ability uh, to measure and, and record all of this data, uh, and then the insights that you're giving back to your team, uh, which then goes over to the capital side, because it's obviously important for them to know if they're gonna spend money, what money do they spend it on? Um, and, and that really goes into measuring the effectiveness. So you're obviously investing money when you're building a preventative maintenance program. So if you're investing that money, you should be seeing optimization and a reduction in your reactive spend and an increase in your uptime and uh, life of your assets. So um, it, it's not just a, you know, let's start this and we should see the benefits immediately after six months. This is a multi-year 
evolution. And that's sometimes where it becomes difficult because everybody needs the instant gratification. Um, and it's really hard to buy in as an organization to say, hey, we want to increase the spend of our HVAC programs, but we may not see the benefits, you know, until year two when the reactive starts going down. And then obviously the lifetime of the assets takes a much longer time to measure. Um, so, so for us, being able to uh, being able to prove and show results from other clients and industry um, best practices, that really gives people comfort that A, you can measure it, and B, um, you've seen it work over time. Um, so the, the, that's really the evolution. And then at the very end of the, the most optimal PM program, where you really start to become uh, preventative and predictive, um, once you have all those measures in place, then you can really put in an effective repair versus replace program. So understanding um, prior to a catastrophic failure happening, when a catastrophic failure happens and you have a unit down, you have to order a new one and you have to rush it in, you have to pay people over time to come put it in, you can measure the impact of that. And um, if, you, if you have a really good repair versus replace program, in, in place and you can predictively understand which units need to be replaced every, every year, you can see some really, really effective um, total cost of ownership uh, uh, numbers and budget impacts um, over a, the lifetime of a program. So I know that was a lot and <laughs> I tried to keep it as high level as possible. And, uh, but um, those are essentially the measures. And, and frankly, when, when you get started, it's, you know, how do you tie your spend and how are you measuring it today is, is really where you just want to start the conversation. Um, and and that, that essentially will kick off and, and just listen to what are you doing and then what are your company's goals. Um, a lot of times the, the facilities managers don't have the ability to spend extra money. They have to improve optimization while reducing cost. So being able to balance what their organizational goals are alongside with what's best for the equipment um, is really the complex process to this whole thing. Absolutely. And you've given people uh, a, a lot to think about there and a lot of, um, of steps along the way, which I think will help better inform them. And you're right, it's, it's important to point out um, up front that this is not uh, this might not be an instant gratification type thing like so many of us uh want nowadays but that uh, that it's important to see the the wider picture and the the long-term goals of, of how this works and so i think that was important to point out um so ryan from your perspective you, you you deal a lot with facilities managers what are some of the biggest challenges they're facing as it relates to to their hvac systems these days well it's really um the resources that they have um, and, and everybody wants to be in a predictive state. Everyone, everybody wants to have the optimal uh, uh, facilities program in place, but you only have enough, you know, a certain amount of resources as a facility manager. Um, it, it can drive you to be reactive because you, uh, I mean, you're constantly putting out fires and a lot of times you're dealing with the 20% of the problems and the 80% um, that, that you can start to become predictive and you can start to get insights about and, and look at anomalies. Um, a, lot, a lot of times that stuff just doesn't get touched because you don't have the resources to do it. 
Um, what's difficult a lot of times as well, people are working off of legacy systems. I've seen people working off of spreadsheets. Um, so with the lack of resources and then tools that can't help you become more optimized um, and efficient, that really poses problems for organizations. And then, I, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, I've been in facilities management for a long time, and in any time, like somebody misses quarterly earnings statements, uh, any time there's uh, massive, you know, unforeseen spend. A lot of times that gets pushed back on the facilities teams, and they're the first ones to say, "Hey." Um, we need you to cut out, you know, 10% of the spend this year. And unless you have the tools, the expertise and, and things, uh, you know, in your toolbox to build efficiencies, to have the insights to make changes to do those cuts, a lot of times it's, you were going to have to cut our, uh, you know, PM programs out for a quarter, or we're going to have to defer a bunch of maintenance. Um, and then the next year when they pick that up, it's going to be on the facilities managers to say, how do we avoid catastrophic failures after we've pushed all these things off? Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's really, when we talked about that evolution, it's really understanding and identifying not only what best practices and tools and resources to put in place, um, but it's also understanding how quickly you can turn a program without driving catastrophic failures um, over the lifetime of the equipment. So, right, it's that mix between what's the best for the equipment again versus what's the best for budget and you know our company goals. A lot of times, those things, those two things, don't align. So you have to you have to take a case back to senior leadership at your organization and say, hey, we know because we measure this stuff. If we do X then why is going to happen next year. So it, it really prepares them, gives them the insights they need to have those real difficult conversations with their organizations. Um, and if you don't have the resources, the, the technology, the data, um, and some of those, you know, best practices in place, um, that that's that's the the most difficult part for the facility managers, I think. So this kind of dovetails into this, and you may have mentioned some of this as part of the, the answer to the first question, but what methods exist to help measure the effectiveness of a good preventative maintenance program? So um, in terms in terms of measurements, and, and I think, you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll run into uh, different schools of thoughts around this. Um, a lot of times people will come in and say, we've been trying to measure that, there's no way you can measure it. Mm. Uh, it all it all starts with um, what are you doing today? What what do you feel like good is right? Everybody's interpretation of a good program starts with an understanding of their program. Uh, one of the things that I think um, you know, a Bixo or other large organizations that work with many different clients, one of the advantages to that is you're not only looking at your data you're looking at data and best practices across you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of locations. So um, for me, it always starts with baselines. So for an example, um, if you don't know what your average ticket spend per an HVAC reactive visit is, 
um, how do you know that you're driving costs down on a given call at a given location? Uh, if you don't, if you don't understand um, it, in terms of uh, an asset level to spend, right? How do you know which HVAC unit to to repair when you get you know ten thousand dollars or two million dollars of capital for that next year? So building out those baselines and understanding where you should be and where you want to be is, I think, one of the most important things that you can do. Um, if your system doesn't a lot for you to do that, or you don't have analysts, um, that's when you start getting into trouble and you can't have the insights to go and have those discussions with uh, senior leadership. Um, all you do is you and you tend to see an increase in spend and you don't even know where to start um, because you don't have that granular uh, of data. Um, and then the compliance and the execution, like we talked about, um, you know, at a minimum, service providers need to be um, giving you all of the information on the equipment, why they're out there, why they're on the roof. Um, they also need to be documenting, taking photos, doing surveys. Um, all of these things are the best practices, right, that we, that we talk about. And there's nuances and changes that you can do that will help you obtain the information that you need. And, and then being able to store it, right, that's a whole other thing on the, on the technology side. So um, that, that, I think, from a measurement standpoint, is kind of where everything starts, is, is really building out your baselines and expectations. Um, e even if we go into a pilot with somebody, not even HVAC with all of the other categories, the first thing that I ask is, what is good to you? What does that look like? Um, wh what is your baseline? And, and if you start the conversation and they don't have those baselines, um, that's the bare minimum starting point. Let's help you identify those and understand not only what's good for you, but what's best for the industry. Because a lot of times people may be killing it in their facilities programs, uh, but senior leadership doesn't know that because they don't have the insight and the data at an industry level. So it's really important to not only show where they're at, but where they at in terms of the industry um, when it comes to all of their repairs and spend and, and all the things that are important to them um, internally. Absolutely, you know, and uh, I think one of the things that um, that can be challenging for facilities managers is the allure of the quick fix, right? Uh, quick fixes have the advantage of, of being quick and oftentimes being inexpensive uh, on the front end, but oftentimes those costs can come back to bite you on the back end, right? Just when it comes to having a failure point or, you know, having to uh, replace something larger later on, right? And so how can you help facilities managers avoid making that mistake of, tending towards the the quick fix in order to get something done quickly and cheaply um but instead kind of look again towards that bigger picture what what kinds of tools can you provide to help them avoid making those mistakes yep so so the biggest thing is experience so um we have a lot of trade specialists that uh will work with service providers when they're on site and and sometimes it's sometimes it's the organization's decision a, a given facilities manager to say I don't, I don't want to buy a new unit or I don't want to replace this major component. Just get it back up and running. We'll deal with it later. Um, being able to provide a facility manager the yes, but <laughs> what, what does that impact uh, do down the road? And 
you're going to have to deal with this next year. And here's how much that potential spend is going to be. Um, if you say, hey, that could hurt you down the road. And then they say, okay, well, how much is that going to hurt me down the road? Or what is the impact of that over time? If you don't have that answer, then it's really easy for them to say, yeah, let's just put this in place and we'll deal with it at a later time. So, so things that we, we can offer and, and somebody that, you know, has a best practice and standards and all this efficiency and process in place is, is showing them that future. We know that if this happens and you do this, this will be the impact down the road. And then, and then you take it across an entire portfolio. Um, and, and so it's really an education process to say, not only is that that one time that you do this, you could actually go back and look through their portfolio and say, if you do this, this may occur 1200 times in a given year, then you extrapolate that to say, okay, over time, here is that major impact. Once you start, once you start kind of showing what that total impact is going to be, that's when that's when you know it's it's a more impactful conversation. And so sometimes it's not even the facility manager; it's it's senior leadership saying, "Hey, we got to watch budget for this month," and so that you know they get pushed into those decisions. But you know, if they have the data and the insights to go back and and say some like, "Hey, here's some evidence." Uh, here's some analysis that that is a very very powerful thing that you can provide clients that you're working with is the extrapolated impact of decisions that they're making on that back end and it all goes back to total cost of ownership not looking at you know you you want to make sure that you're looking at each individual situation independently but over time what is that impact and how can you make better decisions that will then over a five-year period cost you less even though this one instance may cost you less um you know at that given time absolutely and i think that what you just said kind of goes a long way to answering the next question that i had ryan and that's just you know why it's so important for um for businesses for companies for facilities to choose a proven partner like vixo um, to help make these decisions and to help pr provide this type of expertise, because you're right, having that information is so valuable when it comes to conversations like this, and it can save you money in the long run. Yes, yeah, I, and I think in in when I was you know talking about baselining, um, a lot of the conversations I have, the, the first thing that you do is you listen, right? If I'm not listening to somebody, then I can't build a solution. I can't tell you to throw a lot of money at a problem. Um, without understanding the parameters that you're working within. What, what are the budgets you're working within? Um, what are the uh, organizational goals? Because all of those things feed downstream uh, to the facilities managers. And it, a lot of times it's not a, hey, we don't wanna do that. It's a, we can't do that. And so being able to provide them options um, and do the right mix between organizational goals budget and what's right for the equipment is ex extremely important. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I feel extremely beneficial to have when I go into these conversations is 40 years of uh, expertise and knowledge. I have so many subject matter experts. I have, 
you know, people that have worked within the HVAC and refrigeration industry, you know, at my fingertips that I can go and they've been through these scenarios. They understand the impacts. They understand all the nuances to this equipment. Um, and, and having that, the ability to tap into that knowledge is extremely important. So as an example, um, a store operator, right? They may know some things about the HVAC. They may know some like high level things, but if you send uh, an apprentice in to fix something thinking it's a quick fix, but it's a much deeper problem, um, a store manager, you should, the expectation should not be that they are an HVAC expert and mm -hmm. they should be able to do that. Um, and, and nor is a facilities manager. You've been in, the, it, sometimes you'll have folks in your organization that have years and years of experience and that's amazing. But if you don't and you're you know, a facilities manager and you have not only responsible for HVAC, but millions of dollars of other categories, um, you need somebody that can go deep with a service provider that's on site, be able to do root cause analysis. Because what happens is every time, I mean, if you think of the thousands and thousands and thousands of instances just for HVAC, there's going to be hundreds of them where the tech thinks he puts a fix in place or she, or maybe leaves uh, and says, hey, you know, we're gonna have to come back with maybe a different person. All of that represents spend for a facilities organization. So an added trip charge, extra hours on site. So really managing the duration, um, not, not only just managing, did you get the fix done that time? How long did it take you to do the fix, right? Wasn't it apprentice? Were there two people there? Should there have only been one? Was it eight hours versus four hours? Um, I, I have the ability to walk in and understand what the volume should be at a given location with this type of square footage with you know this type of a product offering in this type of a climate those those are the things that um best practices that have been put in place and just the plethora of data and expertise and information that allows you to understand and make these really critical evaluations and decisions for folks so when you have a pool of shared resources and it's costing you less than what you're doing today because you are driving down the cost. Um, you are putting a more effective program in place. Um, I think that's really compelling for people to, to have at their fingertips. Um, and it's all about just removing the burden from them and letting them focus on uh, their long-term strategies versus chasing down things and putting out fires. Um, when that other 80% of focus is then driven to, to all of the problem areas. So that, that I think is a massive advantage for a company that has the resources, the history, um, and then all of the shared, you know, client data and things that, that we can continuously evaluate and build best practices for folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Ryan Baumgartner. He is the solutions architect at Vixo. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about some of these challenges that uh, facilities managers face when it comes to HVAC and the solutions that are available and giving some great insight and some, uh, some great advice just when it comes to making the right decisions and finding the expertise that's, that's going to be beneficial. So Ryan, thank you again so much for joining us. Thanks, Tyler. Have a great day. And everybody, thank you for watching along with us today. Of course, we'll be back soon with more content from Big So. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for watching.